Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a new episode of Nerds Corner with Wen Han and Phil. Today's episode will be about our favorite movies. Welcome back to the podcast. So I think Phil, this episode is quite special to both of us. We're diving into into some of our tentative favorite films, and I, I say tentative because both of us have quite an extensive list of favorite films that we want to go through. This is our this is our podcast to do that. So today, the movies we're gonna we're gonna share with you. If you haven't watched them already, do yourself a favor and watch them. Pa- right yeah, pause this podcast and go do yourself a favor and watch them because they're both fantastic films. Uh, for myself, Pulp Fiction, and myself would be Spider-Man to the Spider Verse. Okay, awesome. So let's get right into it. Act one would be a quarter pounder of cheese. So yeah, so this week, so just recently, I watched Pulp Fiction to see Wen Han's、uh, favorite movie. It was the first time I ever seen it, and I was like, for some reason, I never got around to it. People kept telling me it was a classic, and that I was really missing out. Sadly, I think I was a bit overhyped because every every single person I met told me it was the greatest movie ever of all time, and I just didn't feel that way. But I still really enjoyed it when I watched it, and it's still pretty fresh in my mind because I just finished it like thirty minutes ago. So I'm really excited to talk about it with you, Enhan. What you think about? I just want to hear about like since I know it's your favorite movie, what you could tell me about what you loved about it. Well, I think for to begin this act,、um, Phil, if you if you'll allow me, let's pull out the time machine we have、uh, sitting in a garage. Is that okay? That's the first I hear of it, but go ahead. So here we are. So so here we are back in 1995. So that's the no 1995. I think it's 1994. Yes, the film was shot in、oh, 1995.、Okay. Uh, in 1994. But the 67th、uh, Academy Awards, the Oscars,、oh, okay. that was that year was、uh, 1995. So, 1995, Pulp Fiction, Tarantino's film, won、uh, Best Original Screenplay. And that same year, guess which movie won Best Picture? Forrest Gump. God, yeah, that, you're that, favorite, that, you're that, that's、movie. it. Exactly right. So last、uh, last week, if you don't remember, I think I said both my my two favorite films were Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump. I when I said that, I actually didn't realize they had won Oscars in the same year. And actually, since Forrest Gump won Best Picture in 1995 as a consolation prize, that's why I picked、uh, Pulp Fiction this week. To, to to for what it's worth, I think. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it my tentative favorite film in my heart as a consolation prize for not winning Best Picture in in 1995. Phil, what what did you think? I mean, you just watched it, so、yeah. what did you think of it? Well, I I really enjoy, I think the best part about it, and I think it deserves that adapted screenplay better than more than Best Picture, mostly because I feel like the screenplay was airtight, like the dialogue、oh, yeah. was really quick witted. Like there, there wasn't a, I I mentioned this to you like right before we started. I really enjoyed the flow of the conversations. Like even if a lot of them were seemed a little trivial, like、uh, the、mm-hmm. like you started the episode calling it a core, like the the, the act calling a core powder with cheese.、Yes. Just that quote. First of all, now I understand what you were trying to tell me when we were going to McDonald's yesterday. I just really thought、uh, you were confused、yeah. about what to order. <laughs> and But, I, and I, I asked also I asked you what a Whopper was called, and you said. Oh, I never went to a Burger King. <laughs> well, now I understand that reference. I understand the reference,、mm-hmm. and I have to say, like, like, and just the callbacks too, like the fact that the dialogue, like, always gets referenced,、yeah. like, it's a, it's a, it's a movie, yeah, it's a movie yeah. that references itself a lot. 
which I feel like I've been told that if uh, it's better even during a rewatch because then oh, you yeah. catch the references more, like you know what happens at the beginning. And since this is a very, this is a movie that is like extremely non-linear. I mean, it either begins with the ending or starts or, or finishes with the beginning, depending on how you see it. Yeah. But I really enjoyed that aspect of the the screenplay. Yeah, definitely. Well, Tarantino films are oftentimes driven by the dialogues, the manner and the context in which they're uh, delivered. They're just pure genius. You would think they're they're out of context, but then uh, these random conversations about quarter pound of a cheese, about marijuana in Amsterdam. A lot of these conversations are they're funny, they're trivial. But at the same time, I feel they drive the progression of the film. So, for example, the quarter pound of cheese, they casually bring it up in the car and then say like 10 minutes later to get to the room, they say, let's get into character. And, you know, they're, they're both gangsters or mobsters in, in Los Angeles. They get in and they, they start, well, should we, should we do spoilers? This? I think we should do spoilers. It's a movie that came out in 1994. If okay. you haven't seen it yet, then that's on you at this point, I think. Right. So the two mobsters, they're basically on a on an assassination mission. And right there, they retake the same conversation about the quarter pounder of cheese. So they're like, hey, Brett, what do they call a quarter pounder of cheese in, uh, in, in Paris? And, and so I think just small details like that, taking the previous conversations, previous dialogues and plugging them back in. I think that's just really, really smart. And it's, it's very witty, like you said. Yeah. And I, I love that part. So, you know, very serious and just warning that be advised that Tarantino films and Pulp Fiction is no exception. Some, some of the scenes are very graphic, very, very gruesome. Uh, there's a lot of very crude language and material. Yeah. And of course, Phil and I, we don't condone any violence, whether it be physical or verbal, but that that's out of the way right so we're, we're gonna keep this podcast clean as, so as clean as possible as clean as possible when you're talking about pulp fiction but i think even in some of the more more serious and more violent scenes the conversations are the trivial conversations are just hilarious yeah. like do you remember that scene where uh i think it was captain uh it was captain coon coming back from the war um oh talking to yeah, little talking butch, about what ha- how he did ha- ha- what happened to the family watch so yeah we the- won't say what <laughs> happened to the family watch because that would this that would um go against us not being graphic but it's it's not very sanitary but i felt <laughs> like i got in in the span of a minute i feel like i got from emotional to, to from sad to to laughing out loud and like in the span of a minute you know, so the, yeah. the story he was telling was tragic, but the way he delivered it yeah, was the, just... the fact that they had Christopher Walken walk in, <laughs> no, no pun intended. Anyways, they had Christopher Walken walk in and just um, like tell that story. I like I, I want I want to know how much he was paid because that was an interesting. That's that's something like I guys, if you please, please watch it, like pause the podcast right now and watch the scene and mention we're mentioning right now, because yeah. it's, 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 a, it's, it's a really, mon- yeah, it's a monologue. It's, it's about what, yeah. two, three two minutes, two, two minutes, three, yeah. a very long scene. And it's just Captain Coon talking. It's a, it's a very long story. I think that's, that's the power of the story. It's, it's very trivial. Well, no, I think it drives the story. Feel, the watch, the gold watch, feel, yeah. puts it in context. Well, I also feel like the movie is less, even though it's an extremely violent movie, it's less built around violence and built around the conversation, like around the, around the conversations themselves. Yeah, that's it. So he he basically delivers a two-minute monologue. It's really funny. And yeah. it's it's both 
it, it tells the backstory of of uh, Butch Coolidge, which is one, Coolidge, one of the main characters. Played by Bruce Willis. Yes. Uh, I, I thought he did it quite well. Well, yeah. it, he called him the little man when he was when Butch was still a kid. So his father was in the war and his father died in the war. But this captain who was with his father came back, brings his family watch that's been passed down three generations. And he says, hey, Butch, this watch is yours. So you see, the story is very, very serious very dramatic but at the same time the details that yeah. he gives uh are, are very graphic and and quite funny i think it's very yeah. it's very witty and sometimes especially i don't know if i'm supposed to laugh at a certain scene because it's just like there's a mix of like viol violence and yeah. humor at the same time like when um vincent's gun goes off in the car yeah and then oh they, man jimmy yeah exactly <laughs> like and then the, the, the then samuel jack the like samuel jackson's character and john travolta's head character like arguing about it they're they're all very deadpan basically yeah, uh, sam samuel jackson john travolta they, they did a they did a great job at s delivering something very serious saying something completely ridiculous and doing it in a matter of, of uh, in a context that's that's very serious I love the acting yeah. in that. One thing I would mention, though, is that I feel like it dragged a little bit in the in the middle. Like as yeah. when we were talking about the watch, like there's there's aspects to that particular storyline that I felt like were a little unnecessary, especially like viol like violence wise. Yeah, and how the much, graph how, it's how, very graphic. It's very graphic. Yeah. I won't talk, mention the details because again, we don't condone. Uh, we just want to be as clean as possible, <laughs> safe for it to listen to with your families. But just it's it felt a little it felt extremely unnecessary and a bit like I wasn't entirely sure if, like if it actually served the purpose to the greater narrative. Right, right, yeah. But um, other than that, I really enjoyed like like I feel like John Travolta and mm -hmm. Samuel Jackson storylines, like the two hitmen, even with uh, Uma Thurman with Mia yeah, Wallace. Yeah, that, I think the the back and forth between Vincent Vega and, yeah, and that was Mia really, that, that was, was really entertaining. A lot of fun. A five dollar milkshake. That scene was quite something. So Butch Butch Coolidge. Uh, so you, so we've mentioned the the monologue with Captain Coons. Yeah. Another one I really loved was the one delivered by Marcellus Wallace to Butch. You know, at the beginning it says, uh, "If you think basically yeah about." Um, so what happened was that Marcellus Wallace, who's who's apparently the head of this gang in Los Angeles, he's asking Butch, who's a boxer to tank his match, to lose on purpose. Just a monologue that was delivered by Marcellus Wallace. I think that was very powerful. He was talking about how, if you think that um, you're gonna get better with age, it ain't happening. It was just really interesting. So yeah. the, the whole film referenced to itself a lot. If you haven't watched Tarantino films, there a lot of them are that way. You would have different scenes where different acts, but they would be intertwined. Pulp Fiction begins in the restaurant with the characters Bunny and Pumpkin, and then the Pulp Fiction ends in that same restaurant. And in between, you have all of these crazy stories that's happened to 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 the gangsters, to Vincent and Jules, all throughout the story. So before and after, and, and they're, all the stories are connected. So that's that's I think that takes a lot of uh, brain power to think of. The the ending itself isn't actually the ending because yes. the story that took takes place right before it happened chronologically what happened after it, which I thought was really, like, we see the ending of the characters before um, the, the actual ending of the film. Yeah, yeah actually, I when I, well, let's not, let's not completely give it away in case you haven't watched it, but the butch scene with Vincent, a sequence that was supposed to take place after the ending, but that was intertwined within the movie. I think that was the most shocking part uh, for me. I was like, whoa, you can't just 
do that to Vincent, right? And yeah, I think that was all that's very smart. And the whole circular plot of, of Tarantino's script, I think that was brilliant. Okay. Um, Phil, do you, do you read the Bible? No, not regularly. Okay. Well, I've got a passage that I, I got memorized. Ezekiel 25, 17. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who, in the name of charity and goodwill, shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know that I am the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon you. Ladies and gentlemen, that wasn't just one hand deciding to read the Bible out of nowhere. That is a Samuel Jackson's one. I think is one of his most famous quotes from uh, the movie, where yes. he recites it at two different times and tries to. And also, one hand doesn't actually know it by heart yet, but I'm, I'm being told. That's I what was, I'm doing tonight. He's yeah. going to do one it. One of tonight. my friends actually know it by by heart because it's it's infamous. And at the end of of the movie, Samuel Jackson's character comes out and and gives his explanation or his interpretation of this bible verse i found that i found that very uh well not deep but it was it was quite interesting to to think of the way he thought of it because at the beginning when samuel jackson or what's his jules when jules. jules was killing brett you know he memorized that uh that passage so basically whenever he's about to kill someone he memorize he recites the passage and then he shoots them um <laughs> so when that happens uh, at the beginning, I thought it was just a cool Bible verse he was memorizing. But then if you think about it, it actually makes a lot of sense towards the end. And he explains it. He comes out and explains yeah. it, sa saying... Well, he goes through different scenarios, yeah. right? I think it's like, uh, at one point, you're... Um, or yeah. it's either you're the righteous man, I'm the shepherd. Or I think at one point he calls... Well, he says maybe one scenario is you're the righteous man and I'm the shepherd. But the truth is you're the weak and, and I am the, the tyranny of the evil okay. man. So I think that was very powerful in which he basically says, lays it out. He says, you know, this this world, it's just about whoever has the most power. And right now I'm the one holding the gun. And that's how that's how our world works. So that was very powerful. I think that summarized a lot of the violence in the movie quite well. Yeah. Okay, so one last thing about Pulp Fiction before we move on to, on to Spider-Verse. The music. So the introduction was Mr. Lou by Dick Dale, which was one of the greatest guitar pieces uh, and one of the hardest ones to play. Uh, I, I love that. I love that. I'm a guitarist myself, so I, I love that reference to, to, to 70s and 60s yeah. surf mu music. Son of a Preacher Man, do you know that song? Yeah, Dusty yes, Springfield. Dusty yeah. Springfield. That, I think that scene paired with the music was one of the, one of the most fitting scenes and the most fitting music together. I think that was just hilarious. A lot of a lot of drug abuse in the movie, so yeah. just warning. But basically, I think the music captured Vincent's uh, state of mind. You know, he 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 came stumbling into the into the house, and he was like, "The." And then Son of a Preacher Man started playing, and Mia was like, "Vincent," and it just I thought it was just all very fitting in that. You know, he was he was clearly high and then the music kind of enhanced that effect, I think, on the screen. So I think the music really, really enhanced whatever atmosphere was being captured on screen. Yeah. And also, like, what surprised me the most is how, like, how I think how popular the soundtrack was. Oh, himself. yeah. Like, did this, he, Tarantino didn't seem to choose, like, these, like, these 
I, I don't know if they were like they're popular now because of the movie or if they were popular. Some of them the were Probably. quite popular, yeah. Like but Dick know, Tales, yeah. yeah. But I, I know that Tarantino does have a tendency to go into more of the obscure and bring out, uh, oh, yeah. bring that out, and the, with a lot of references inside his movies. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, I really, I, I really enjoyed the the like you, if you if you you're able to notice the music yeah. in the movie, I think that's when you know that the soundtrack to it is pretty good, yeah. and I noticed that. Like there were a few times where I noticed it, and I like really enjoyed the song that was playing. That was during a certain scene, like uh, "Son of a Preacher Man" pops up to mind, like you said. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, and the the film begins with Mr. Lou, which is like that really fast guitar riff, and it's very catchy to the ear because it it's it has this very Oriental sound, and your ears perk up, and then you see Pulp Fiction appear on the screen. I think that's a magical moment. I compare it to, you know, the op- the, the opening crawl of Star Wars. Whenever Star Wars appear on screen and the music begins to play, I think Pulp Fiction with Mr. Lu had that similar effect with me. Um, so definitely check it out. Check out the music. If you haven't watched the film, pause the podcast check, right now. Check it go, out. Go, 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 watch, go watch it. it. And then once you're done, watch uh, it again. And then get the get the soundtrack and and really enjoy that uh very 60 and 70s oriented uh yeah. music so it, surf surf music and rock and roll it is a very graphic so, movie however so if you get offended easily there are there's certain there's a lot of yeah. like offensive languages and a lot of crude subject matter that yes it can be especially disturbing but uh the movie itself is quite good yeah but i think all of the actors that were in it Definitely. I think I think about just a quick shout out to the to the special performance of Lance, you know, the drug dealer. I think he delivered his line perfectly. Yeah, Samuel Jackson, if you're listening, we were big fans of you in that movie. Yeah, and and it was strange to see you with hair in that movie, actually. Yeah, he had like a like. Do you think John Travolta a, too? John, no, that was a wig. Was that a, like that was Samuel a Jackson had a wig, right? That, that was, was a wig. wig. John that, Travolta too. John, yeah. Was that a wig? I thought that was a, for some reason. I thought John Travolta. No, had John hair. Travolta. I'm, 99 percent sure that was a wig really yes. well yeah the hair did look weird the entire movie like the hair yeah and, and like samuel jackson's afro looked kind of weird yeah but the but, goatee oh yeah the goatee, the goatee that's an point. iconic goatee right there iconic so i think that you know the iconic aspect of pulp fiction whenever you think of the movie you think it's, of oh. vincent and jules standing side by side with their like bloody shirts i think it's a it's also really stylistic like it, when if you you can just i think like, cause I've seen, I've watched a lot of the Simpsons mm-hmm. and like what I realized is how much the Simpsons referenced uh, Pulp Fiction. Like there were yeah. a few, like there were a few scenes that I wa- when I watched the Pulp Fiction for the first time, I'm like, oh, so that's where the Simpsons reference comes from. And I just feel like now, like I actually have like just the fact that it gets, it, it was, especially the Simpsons was in the nineties too. So the fact that it got referenced so quickly by another uh, really popular source of entertainment during that time shows how extensive this movie was uh, for in, in pop culture in general yeah definitely it's a it's an iconic i think it pays homage to the to the just the cult following of pop fiction yeah. i think for you you said it was overhyped well i felt like it i don't know if it was i i feel like there was there was no way it could potentially live up to the hype that was set because just the fact everyone like I, I sent a snap of myself saying that I was watching the movie and everyone just said like, oh my God, it's the best movie ever. Yeah. And I just like, I don't know if it's because of my, it's probably because my taste in movies are really different. Like we're going to go right into Spider-Man to Spider-Verse real soon, which is a completely different kind of movie in terms of just like, I mean, first of all, it's animated. Yeah. But there's also the fact like just the themes are extreme are pretty different too, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So maybe that just like 
Pulp Fiction is your kind of movie. Yeah, canon. because I think Pulp Fiction was was actually selected to be preserved in the United States National Film Registry. So that really shows, pays homage to, to how important the film was in, in popular culture, American popular culture. Okay, so... So right now, I think we're going to jump into my favorite movie with Act 2, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I, didn't th- I forgot to think about a clever title. Um, Spider-Man Into the Nerdverse. Let's go with that. Anyone who's ever had a conversation with me will know is that Spider-Man to Spider-Verse is one of my all-time favorite movies. I've watched it six times since it came out last six, seven times since it came out uh, in December 2018. And speaking to the fact that uh, Pulp Fiction won an ad, uh, uh, Best Screenplay, uh, Spider-Man to Spider-Verse won Best Animated Picture for the 2019 Oscars. And it actually broke Disney's record because Disney and Pixar kept winning like really? not, like okay. uh, year like year after year. I think I think that maybe almost the entire decade was Disney movies, and then Spider Man to Spider Verse came in and just like flipped the whole thing. Because I I feel like uh, I m- my favorite part of it like I remember the moment I watched it was just the first thing that popped up was the animation. I know oh, yeah. you told me about it like you really enjoyed yeah I was it. I was I was telling you about how I. Well, personally, I love the the whole graphic, uh, the graphic novel, well, comic book the, yeah. feel uh, that the movie went with. You know, the comic book bubbles, the sound effects that came up. So I think that was very, very smart, and aesthetically, it was very pleasing. Yeah, even like yeah. even just like the 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 way the colors were shaded and the mm-hmm. way like the the characters were like not necessarily entirely three dimensional, but there was a little backdrop there. Yeah, and there was actually in some cases where to get that really big comic book sixties uh, feel. They would put a little distortion. Like uh, there's some scenes where it's like the co- they play with the colors that don't match, and there's a little like unevenness just because there were a lot of printing errors in the '60s comic books. So they wanted to pay some homages to that. But yeah, to me, I think especially since we're a kind of saturated a bit in Disney animated. Well, I mean, I love Disney animated well, I movies. Think, I think the style was quite it's different. The, yeah, that's it. Was it was it based on? Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but well, personally, I've just watched. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse this weekend, actually, in preparation of this podcast. So we've both done our, our homework. So going back, correct me if I'm wrong, but was that movie based on any comic book issues? Or? Um, it was. There was a comic book storyline called Spider-Verse, which was a little bit... The concept of just a Spider-Verse emanates from that storyline, but it's really, it's really like its own thing because okay. it, it blends a bunch of characters in together. And it takes it really takes Miles Morales' story though. Right. For those of you who don't know, Miles Morales was a a, a Spider Man introduced in 2011, I believe. And he's an Afro he's an Afro Latino kid from Brooklyn. So already a big difference from you know the classic mm-hmm. uh, uh, Caucasian Peter Parker. Peter Parker, yeah. But yeah, the the Spider Man the Spider Verse was really based around Miles Morales' story. So Miles Morales was actually already a yeah he, comic book like character. He's been out for around a decade, okay. and and that was his basically big screen debut. Yeah, exactly. He hasn't been in any TV shows, movies before that. He's been in TV shows, but then nothing like okay. to like some like some car. Yeah, some like cartoons. you, but like you mentioned, uh, his just his origin it makes it quite refreshing compared to the yeah, regular exactly. Marvel I, superhero, most of them being white males. Well. Marvel yeah, exactly. has done a good job, you know, introducing all of these females. Well, yeah, characters. they're really tr- they're really trying to but change think, the scene a bit. Yeah, I think Miles Morales plays a plays a big role in that. And especially, I think the music too, 
because we were we were talking about music for Pulp Fiction. I feel like music from Spider-Man to mm-hmm. Spider-Verse plays a big deal in it too because it's an original soundtrack. Every song that's in the movie was made for that movie because they really wanted to try to go for the a feel of a like the kind of album a kid from Brooklyn would listen to. So there's a lot of like uh, there's a lot of hip hop in it. It's it's I've there's a like a lot of variety in the songs, yeah. which I feel like they're really catchy. Um, it, my uh, uh what what's it called the spot the, the the songs for spotify when they tell you at the end of the year what you listen to oh like your your annual like wrap up yeah my annual my annual wrap up it just popped up like spider-man to spider-verse soundtrack really? like every song with spider-man to spider-verse because i just i i love the, the music i love the way it's used in the movie too because it really cre- it helps that or like that urban feel of brooklyn and new york city and uh yeah yeah, I think I think Disney. Well, Marvel does a really good job, and even Captain America, even what's it called, Peter Parker, Captain America. You know, Brooklyn Queens. I yeah. think they they've done a great, really good job, kind of reflecting all these uh, neighborhoods in, in New York and the music. As you said, here comes danger. Is that what's the, what's, what's, a, what's what's up danger? Yeah. What's up danger? That's I, one of my. I love that song so yeah, much. That was a great song. Yeah, check it out. Actually, check out the entire album. It, it's, it has Arya Kiyabani's approval too. He, I mean, I don't know if he just tells me that for me to be happy, but he has listened to some songs and he really? has told me that he's enjoyed the songs. So I don't know if that helps, but um, shout out to Aria. Check out his SoundCloud too. But um, yeah, so like I loved, I loved the movie. I loved the animation style, which I felt was its own thing. I loved the yes. music. And, I, and But I think what really made it for me were the characters. Oh yeah. yeah I yeah. don't know how like- Well, I love the, the, again, the self-referential style of it where it's going back and saying, Okay, let's do this one last time, introducing yeah. a new character every time. What's her name? Gwen. Gwen Stacy. Gwen Stacy, Spider Pork, <laughs> Spider Pig. Spider Ham. Spider Ham. That was that was adorable. And and what's that? what's the other girl's name? The uh, pa- Penny Parker. Penny Parker? Was yeah. that the one in the in the robot? Yeah, the, 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 the anime inspired one. Inspired. Was she was she an actual character from a comic book or uh, a one shot, just a one like a one issue thing. Okay. She doesn't have um she's the only one I think who doesn't have an extensive background in comic books. Okay, like, so that's very interesting that yeah. they, they brought her in. Well, I think they were trying to go for the most distinct feels possible. Yeah, because, very just like, diversified. Yeah. Spider Man had the Yeah. So it had a very Looney Tunes reminiscent feel and Spider-Man Noir too. He was shaded black and white, but like was which was a lot like old timey movies from the, I think, 19, 1930s, 40s. And yeah, and then Miles Morales and and uh, Peter Peter B. Parker had their own style. And then there's, as you mentioned, uh, Penny Parker anime, anime style, yeah. who was also Weeb approved. And yeah, I think like just this just whole, whole cast, just the whole cast, very diversified. I think it was very interesting to what I would have liked is to see them a little bit more in action. To because I yeah. think the problem is when you have like that many characters, you you'd have to like cut some parts. And yeah, and, I like I feel like if there's one of the the down the down points of this movie is just that they have so many like interesting characters and it's impossible to explore them uh, entirely. Just like the like the Hobbit a little bit. When yeah, you have too many too many characters. I don't know if they're gonna make a make a make a sequel. They are making a sequel, twenty twenty one. Can't wait, counting the days. It's the only reason I'm alive now. Awesome, seeing seeing the cast being brought back together, the team. Yeah, 
Well, I, I also, even though they didn't give that much attention, like like the Hobbit did with Bilbo, I really enjoyed the fact that they really like this is Miles Morales' story. Like it's about his grow his growth. Peter B. Parker too, and Gwen Stacy, they all grow. So there's an there. We, I think the as an audience, we realize who the main characters are and who like. Like, because, uh, I mean, Spire, like, Spire Ham, Spire Noir, and Penny Parker, like, they were very entertaining, and they were very enjoyable to watch on screen, but I, I think... The focus is on the, Miles the Morales. The focus was on Miles Morales, which I think, which I really enjoyed, because I feel like, especially, Peter Parker has had enough stories about him, so it was interesting to shift the focus to this new generation. So you've mentioned two... I think, for me, you've seen two relationships, one between Miles Morales and his father, and... A relationship between Miles Morales and older Peter Parker. I think yeah. though both older Peter Parker and, and his father had this this very mentor mentor like figure yeah. towards Miles. I really enjoyed that. It was very comforting to watch. And as for me, especially, uh, I mentioned this a lot to anyone who's willing to listen to me talk about this movie. Um, the scene where my where Miles' dad and him are talking through the door, door. is was just like was just beautiful that was emotional, like, i was so emotional, like it was yeah. extremely emotional like i like i'll usually tear up during movies but there was actually like tears coming down oh, in that wow. scene because yeah. and what was funny is my sisters were making fun of me for crying a little bit earlier and then when that scene comes up when i when i was watching it with them i turned around and i see them crying so oh. that was that was fun but um i think for me what made the movie like great was that the fact that even though these anim- these were animated characters they felt really real oh yeah the, because, mo- the mother relationship with miles morales yeah. i, I love e- yeah even if it didn't have enough time like that uh, person i would have really liked to see it explored a little more maybe in the sequel but i feel like that like yeah like the the mother and the son the bond we we see it obviously we can see the 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 uh the love they have for each other and even like i loved how the dynamic between miles and his dad like again, I feel like that's a story we couldn't have explored with Peter Parker because, sadly, yeah. he has no parents. <laughs> but yeah, uh, speaking of that, don't you think Spider Verse, Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, was kind of mocking the whole original Spider Man movies? Because uh, you know, you know, it says at the beginning, it yeah. says you know how the story goes. Uncle Ben gets shot with great response powers comes great responsibilities. I, but I think they were taking a shot at the fact that Spider Man was being rebooted over and over again yeah i think they were taking a shot at that reboot but i think they're also paying a little bit homage to the original trilogy okay because the fact that they were just saying like they were just saying that like this is actually like the spider-man trilogy this is actually spider-man like they i think they kind of just went right by the amazing spider-man reboot and just Mm -hmm. i uh, like what i loved about it as a big comic book fan is that i feel like this amount like this movie was made by people who love the character of Spider-Man, yeah. who've read the comic books. Well, I think it. when he said, you know, the whole the whole jazz about with great powers comes great responsibility, the backstory of Spider-Man, this is who Peter yeah. Parker is. I think that really helped me situate myself at the beginning of the movie. So I knew, okay, well, we're in this world where Peter Parker is still a character, and now we're going to shift the focus towards exactly. a I new th- character instead. Because I, th- I think they were trying to show us, like, you know how Peter Parker's story is. You, you Like, if we've you heard it, it like... We've heard it now like three times. Yeah, like, and, about to be a fourth. I hope it won't be a fourth. I, I, mean, I love just, Tom. I love I love Tom Holland. I love I, Tom Holland. But I don't. I really. I don't think we need a fourth. As someone who loves Spider Man, I really think I don't think we need a fourth like no. live action reboot. I think I think Marvel's done a good job 
sidetracking here, but I think Marvel's done a great job with rebooting Tom Holland's version of, uh, I think Tom Holland, he really captured the spirit of, of Peter Parker. Yeah. But yeah, going back, so so you're saying they're not taking a shot at the I fact that it's being rebooted so many I, times. Well, I right? feel like they are taking a shot at the fact that it's being rebooted. I okay. just I don't think they're taking a shot at the the movies themselves, like the, oh, the no, original no, no. trilogy. No, no, I feel no, like they're, they're yeah. really like they're they're telling us this is this is Spider Man right here. But um, yeah, going back to the family dynamic, I'm I, like I can't get enough of that because I feel like it was just so well done. Yeah. Uh, like and especially like it shows us like how like even the span of an hour and forty minutes shows us how complicated it can be. Like there's Miles and his uncle, oh yeah, and Miles with his father. The, even like the uncle and the father, like the fact that they drifted apart, and like it shows us like I, it shows us multiple facets yeah. a, about what family can be and what family is and like how like family and like loves each other and how difficult it can be sometimes. Right, and just like right now, the family like, drifting apart. Yeah, but. I, I like I, at first I was confused when I looked back it was it was a, a scene of foreshadowing you know when Uncle no I was about to say Uncle Ben but Uncle Aaron Uncle takes Aaron. Miles Morales to this uh, like cave or tunnel where they to subway they, yeah to subway, subway tunnel and then and then later on when Miles Morales comes back to that t- uh, to the subway tunnels you know the the whole spoiler spoiler, spoiler alert spoiler alert. A little bit. He finds he finds Peter Parker fighting the Green Goblin yeah. there. So once again, you know, throwback to the originals, Green Goblin, uh, Octavia, the villains. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was I was confused at first. I was like, what is going on here? What why is this happening all of a sudden? But then going back, Uncle Aaron was in fact uh, was in fact the Prowler, uh, who is one that. Of the, yeah, that's that's where the spoiler comes in. Yeah, that's a big spoiler. Sorry about that, but he's a Prowler one of the villains of the story i think i saw it coming but when i when it came i still i still felt really i i felt shocked when that happened yeah well when, i mean i read the comic books beforehand so okay. i knew a little bit like that's where that's what was going to happen because it's a crucial part to miles morales's story right like what i i thought was interesting is the parallels like you accident you almost accidentally called uncle aaron uncle ben uncle, when, yeah. and i think what's really interesting is how like different the two situations are like uh, like uncle ben was like peter parker's right, like yeah. goodwill mentor and then uncle then the uncle, uncle aaron, aaron as prowler comes in he's a he's a villain but he still loves miles which i thought was really well done because yeah. it like it's like, a conflict so at the end you know when when he gets uh he gets emotional well he gets uh, he's reluctant to to kill he says when he finds out that the new spider-man is miles morales he goes oh no and then he draws his breath i think that was very I, yeah i remember not being able to breathe during that scene yeah. because it was just like so intense i feel like i remember the music like i think there was like a silence and you just hear like miles like begging his uncle and i just felt like like i'm like when when yeah. uh, when uncle aaron draws his breath i felt my heart stop for a second i was like oh wow what's what's gonna happen now and like you said the family dynamics between the uncle who's i wouldn't say he's a bad influence i felt yeah. like he really well, he really, yeah. he really knew what he really understood Miles, but at the same time, he he was this kind of bad influence. But I saw him, I saw him as a mentor. I would see him as a yeah. different kind of I mentor mean, he, to really. Yeah. He really helped Miles discover himself. 
Uh, yeah, even though not the greatest influence, but but like even at the beginning of the movie, where like Miles and him are just like watching uh, uh watching a movie, eating some popcorn, and talking about uh girls about girls, you know, yeah, like the shoulder rub, the, the shoulder touch, touch one of yeah. my favorite parts of the movie, just because it's so it's so it's such a cute mo- yeah. uh, cute moment between two family members, and um yeah, like j- I feel like uh, what was I gonna say? Just the fact that like like the prowler wasn't a bad guy it was it's interesting to see like even in this anim like this animated movie um the characters are nuanced like it, there's obviously like there wasn't this clear definition of good and evil yeah. which i feel like is sometimes can be oversimplified in a lot of um yeah movie, i think, uh, I think pulp fiction going back i think had also this uh very nuanced good yeah. and evil it's it's not about good and evil it's about power and and the weak yeah. yeah and speaking of the villain i like i really like the kingpin as the villain the story oh, yeah. Yeah. because i feel like because again i think the entire movie it just goes back to family and what fam- what family means to you and just how that the fact that the kingpin 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 sorry wanted to bring back his family i thought was just like uh like you i can understand i you i think i can understand a man who loses his family and wants to just wants them back i think is something that's that 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 was just really emotional and i i feel like if you can feel a little bit of compassion for a villain then you know you have a solid villain in your hands that's true and just interesting fact about uh, about uncle aaron at first the character the the animated character looked like mahershala ali the the actor the yeah. voice actor and then when he started talking i'm like oh my god this is hilarious it's the same it's, it's the yeah, same it's the actual, guy yeah yeah, yeah. So that was very interesting. I think Maharshala Ali did a great job. Who, yeah. who voiced Miles Morales? Do you know? Miles Morales was a Shamik Moore. Okay. Uh, I don't think he's done a lot of other movies, but I really, I think I, I really enjoyed how like youthful his uh, his voice was. Like there was yeah. a clear like, there there was this kind of I feel like this drive and this optimism in the voice that I feel yeah. like really translated really well to Miles Morales's character. But what happens in a lot of animated films is that sometimes if it's not well done, the voice acting and what's what's shown on screen doesn't exactly yeah. match together but i think in spider-man oh in spider-verse the two really yeah. really I meshed like, well yeah. together especially ali like you said the dad as well well who's the voice actor do you know um uh it's sorry it's brian tyree henry i think okay Some, like, yeah i think he's done a wonderful job the 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 like you said the conversation he's had with his son through the door that yeah. was that was the one emotional moment that uh, that got me and I, I don't get emotional during during films, but I I kind of I kind of felt that. Oh, I get way too emotional during yeah. films. Like that entire like that. Do you entire... cry? Do you cry during films? Or... Yeah, well, I I don't cry, but I'll, I'll tear up. Like it takes a lot for me to okay. like actually like have tears coming down, but I will like tear up at at, at certain moments. Like okay. I mean, another one of my favorite movies, The Lion King. Okay. Like just looking at the gorge where Mufasa dies, that just gets like really okay. That, that, that doesn't that just puts me in like a. It just makes me tear up a bit. Okay. Wow. I I usually I draw my breath, but I don't. I rarely like cry during movies, um, unless there's like really sad yeah. music with like really sad. I, I I get emotional when like the parent when a, there's a parent son or daughter relationships. Being yeah. Involved. Me too. Me too. And and I think that's what got me in Spider Verse. That that was very that was very emotional. Because I feel like we like those kind of relationships when done well can either are very relatable they're very relatable yeah. and you can like i feel like sometimes like if like especially romantic relationships can be very romanticized like they kept this 
relationship down to earth. Like it wasn't the perfect, like, like, uh, like a father, like a father, perfect father, son dynamic. Like they were different. They had their issues with each other, but they still tried to work together despite that. And I think just that, that, that was really well done. And, um, you know, like also speaking of romantic relationships, what was interesting is that, you know, for Gwen Stacy, yeah. how she had no friends instead of putting them out like two teenage that was characters. That's very relatable. They, yeah. <laughs> having no friends. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I, but, um, just the fact that like the, like Miles Morales and Gwen Stacy end up just as friends, I feel like that really showed like that that's what the characters needed like i i feel like a, a lot of times it like, gets away from the it, usual romantic yeah i uh, feel like the fact that they didn't like automatically divert into romantic subplot they really just focus on like like at the time like to grow this is what these characters need they don't need like they don't need like that kind of love they just need like a well, friend i think the whole film does a great job at driving away from the cliches i think yeah i think so too i think that's both um, in terms of the classic spider-man storyline also in terms of like you said the love story also in terms of the character miles morales yeah. being quite unconventional well yeah like even like uh, at the first times when we see peter b parker the spider-man who just comes from an alternate dimension he's like uh, he's old and depressed and he divorced my, yeah Couch divorced. Potato with a with a bit of belly yeah there's a lot a lot of things wrong uh in his life and uh, and he feels tired about it yeah. and but the the fact that when he comes in and then uh, Miles tries to use the great with great power comes great responsibility yeah. on him. He just says that he's tired of that sentence. He doesn't even want to hear the end of it. Yeah, I should like as somewhat like we don't see that side of Peter Parker a lot in the movies because and like in the past movies because we really see him as someone who just like uh, like almost um, too uh, too good a person to be true. But I feel like that really showed us at, at a weak point, which I thought was really interesting and showed us a new side of a character we all know. On 10, how much would you give it? I would give it a, I don't want to say 10 because there were some, like, I don't think any movie is perfect, but I'd say n solid 9.5 for 9. me. 9.5. What about you? I would give it an 8. But the, I think the most more relevant question here is how does it compare with the other Spider-Man versions? So say one, Tobey Maguire's version. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Garfield's version and Tom Holland's version. Well, personally, I actually, I, so what happened, like Spider-Man Far From Home came a few months after Spider-Man to Spider-Verse. And I was actually disappointed with that movie. Because oh, yeah. after I didn't like that one. I, I felt like it was, it was good. But after Spider-Man to Spider-Verse, that just like has like so much, like a, such a big emotional punch to it. I just felt like it couldn't, uh, it didn't live up to that. But the first I loved, I think my favorite Spider-Man film still remains Tom Holland's first Spider-Man movie. Spider I, I really enjoy. I preferred Spider-Man: Homecoming too. Homecoming I, was one of my was probably my favorite Spider-Man movie. I like the the one of the first Tobey Maguire. So Tobey Maguire's first film, uh, Tom Holland's first film, and Spider-Verse I think are like yeah. tied number one for me. In I, I would say that for the original trilogy, Spider-Man Two with Doctor Octopus, that one. You was like that one? I really okay. enjoyed that one. And speed like a Homecoming Two. What I really enjoyed was again like the vulture he was just a man who was trying to provide for That's his it. family so i feel like a lot of the best spider-man stories are ones that focus on the issue of uh, the topic of family because like uh especially since peter parker himself he like he was raised by his aunt and uncle he shows that 
um, non-traditional families are our families too. Like the, you can be loved and supported in that kind of family, in that kind of setting. Not all families are the same. There are a wide variety of them and all of them are, there's no mo- standard, there's no classic nuclear family model that is actually like, a va- there's no valid mo- family system. So I feel like when those Spider-Man movies explore that theme, like they can be really, when, when it's really well executed, it can be really well done. Those were our takes on both Pulp Fiction and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. We we called them our favorite films, but to be frank, I think yeah, we we both like we both we we both love movies. We both have a list of favorite movies. Sorry, Forrest Gump, but uh, I had to I had to do it because you know 1995. Yeah. I mean, I'm obs- I'm obsessed with like animation as a medium in right. itself. So right. like for me, Lion King is another one. Okay, like like the mu- I have the music on my phone. I listen to it all the time. Uh, I think people are starting to get a little bit annoyed of me singing the songs all the time, especially if it's not okay for me to sing it like uh, like in the middle of class or whatever. Oh yeah, well I, th- I don't think that's weird at all. Yeah, well I mean the teacher was looking at me kind of confused, but I like Hakuna Matata. All right, but um, life is good. So and uh, so next week we're hoping, even though it's midterms seasons, we're hoping. Let's do let's do Lord of the Rings. We're hoping, yeah, we're hoping to do a little Lord of the Rings. I think episode. we could even we could even perhaps bring on a guest, our first guest. Hopefully, uh, because we know like Lord of the Rings is really popular. We yeah, love Lord of the Rings, films. and we know there's a lot of uh, you out there who enjoy that movie. Most all those three movies. And and obviously we've spent what like 40 minutes today talking about both Pulp Fiction and Spider Verse, but. We didn't go in in depth as 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 much as we could have. Obviously, two class. Well, one one of them classic, and another one just soon fantastic. To, soon, soon to, to be soon classic. to be classic. I will I will I will pay money. I will bribe will everyone. Bribe, to make it bribe the National Film Association to, to bring Spider Verse. It will be accepted in the archive next year. Mark my words. I will bribe everyone. Yeah, but so definitely definitely go watch the movies for yourself. Um, there's yeah. there's a lot of details in both films, a lot of great acting, great stories, and great dialogues. Um, and check out the soundtracks. And if you want to, uh, before our next podcast episode, just watch Lord of the Rings. They're they're I'm pretty sure they're considered classics now. I mean, it's been 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. And actually, fun fact: they I think they were there's some the there's some of the movies that won the most Oscars. Yeah, like the most definitely. Academy Awards. So if you don't trust us, well, I, they're considered one of the three three greatest trilogies yeah. in in film history. So I would say Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and The Godfather. I think those three are considered the classics. So next week, Lord of the Rings. We'll see you later. <laughs>